Hello, Christina, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Peak <laughs> Conversation. You might remember me. <laughs> I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a senior video producer at Polygon. And your fellow co-host is Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress. You are you are still Christina Warren, senior cloud advocate at Microsoft? <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. Um, and you're appearing and- on an episode that is brought to you by ExpressVPN, Pingdom, and Flatiron School. Go ahead and talk. Amazing. No, that's actually, uh, yes, that, that is me. It is, it's been a long time. I'm super glad, uh, to be here. I, uh, like I said, when I did my little call in for the episode, I guess now three weeks ago, it was awesome meeting a rocket listener at Microsoft Ignite. I still can't believe that happened. That was basically the coolest thing ever. So, uh, but I, I've missed you guys like big time. Yay. Well, it looked like you had an amazing time in Florida and in Paris. Oh, oh, yeah. Congratulations. Paris was a blast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm literally unpacking my snow, uh, snow plow machine, and then I'm looking at pictures of Christina in Florida and Paris, and I'm just like, oh, I'm so happy for you. This is great. Yeah. Well, I feel like you usually don't get to do the touristy stuff when you're on the Ignite tour, but this time it looked like you got to go outside the city and drink a lot of champagne. So much champagne. And yeah, I, I did. We'll see. Because usually what happens, yeah, exactly. I don't get to do the touristy stuff. But because um, proper Ignite ended and then we had like the, the actual conference itself wasn't until Wednesday or Thursday. I was like, well, I'm just going to go to Paris early, get used to my jet lag. <laughs> and, you know, who doesn't want to be in Paris? Like yeah. it was it's funny. The weather was actually very similar to Seattle. It was kind of cold and rainy, but it's Paris. So it's so much better. Yeah. Paris is very romantic. It's terrible. <laughs> well, hey, let's uh, let's get caught up on this episode. So we're actually going to open up now, six minutes into the episode, seven minutes into the episode, with a Christina catch-up. Because Christina was away from the show while we talked about the MacBook Pro, while we talked about Pokemon coming out on the Switch. And, of course, in that time, Christina also got the Switch Lite, and there have been requests for um, a discussion of the comparison between the Switch and the Switch Lite. So, Christina, can you give me, and I will time you, yes. a one, <laughs> a 90-second, a 90-second take on the new MacBook Pro, starting now. Uh, finally. I think that's the big thing, right? Finally. So the keyboard, I'm very excited about. Uh, the The specs look really good. The fact that you can get a uh, octa-core, um, you know, MacBook Pro with 64 gigabytes of RAM, even a, an 8 terabyte SSD, which is that's too much, uh, I would argue. I, I, I've never been one to say that. Like, it's impressive. I Really, the only thing that I would want out of the machine that it doesn't have is that I would want it to be like a 4K display. Mm. That would be really the only thing that I would want. Uh, otherwise, I want one. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get one or not. There's some things happening in my life that there's some changes happening. So I need to be conservative about my finances for a little bit. But uh, I definitely, it's, it's on my list. And um, it finally looks like I'm, I'm hoping that this will be the direction that Apple goes with in their laptops going forward. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you feel about the price. Obviously, like on a personal level is one thing, but on an overall value level is a different thing. Uh, yeah, I actually think it's fine. I think that from a value level, it's I mean, Apple's always going to have the markup. I, I think this is actually one of the few times where they're probably in line. They're still a little bit high, but they're they're in line with what others are doing. The fact that it is using, you know, those, um, uh, you know, 
octa-core processors and that you're able to get that much RAM. That's really impressive. The only other thing that I would kind of quibble with would be a lot of the other laptops that are on the market now are using the 10th gen uh, Intel uh, processors that are supposed to get better battery life. 10 seconds to wrap it up. So that's it. So (laughs) the the next iteration will be even better. All right. Great. And uh, let's see. Last week, it was last week now, Marie and I talked about Pokemon Sword Shield and just the general kind of kerfuffle over it. Now that the game has been out and in all three of our six hands... Um, I I personally feel like j- just looking at the features that were added to this compared to previous Pokemon games and looking at the graphics of previous Pokemon games compared to this one, I really, I, I think the issue that people are having with it is purely emotional and not logical because there was so much yep. added to this game and yep. the animations and the art are so lively. Um, I know you guys are both playing it. Christina, you have Shield, Bree, you have Sword. How are we all feeling yep. about it? So I'm I'm a little torn about Ooh. it. Um, so this is a good game, and I, the animations seem to be the same. I think what makes this game look so much better is the uh, the lighting is much much better. Um, the particle effects are much much better with the attacks, and the UI is better. So overall, it's much more polished, and and that comes through. Um, I like this game. I think it's a very polished Pokemon experience, but there's a a video that Skill Up did today, uh, kind of tearing this game apart. And I I have to admit it it kind of brought to light some of my frustrations I've had with it. Um I I think the story with this game is just straight, like put every Pokemon plot in a blender. That's what this is. It's you've done it all like five or six times. Uh it's very average. As far as the combat, um, it it just it does feel increasingly dated. I understand this is a kid's game and it needs to be uh, simple and accessible, but at the same time, I feel um, you're like reading the same text about the same attacks that you were literally 20 years ago. And I just, I feel like moving to a main console, they could have updated uh, some of these rough edges a little bit better. That said, there are plenty of quality of life improvements. I love that you can catch Pokemon send them straight to your box pull them from the box in the field. Um, it's it's a very polished Pokemon game. It's just not a really improved Pokemon game, if that makes sense. I totally understand that take. Uh, Christina, how are you feeling? Yeah, so I'm. it's been a really long time since I've played, like, a, a standard Pokemon game. And I think the last one was probably one of the ones that came out for the DS. And so I was kind of in it. So for me, I kind of enjoyed, or I guess didn't mind as much kind of the throwback nature because it reminded me like why I used to like the Pokemon games so much to begin with. Yeah. Uh, the, the graphics, you know, that's been kind of the, kind of the biggest kind of revelation thing. I mean, it's just, it's weird. I, it's weird to see a Pokemon game on a console, but at the same time, it's exciting. That said, I think that Brie makes a good point. Like, there maybe is that thing where you're going, okay, you've gotten this far, but could we have maybe done some other things to modernize this a little bit? But right now, I really don't have any complaints. I haven't been able to spend a ton of time with it, but I, I got it when I got my Switch Lite uh, the other day, and I I mean, I'm I'm into it. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan so far. Yeah, for, for me... I freaking love, I freaking love the camping. I am absolutely in love with looking at my precious Pokemon 
and their weird little runs. I was camping. A lot of people think this is my Togepi. It wasn't my Togepi. I posted a video. I was sharing a camp with another player. I need to make a public apology. It's not my Togepi, but I was playing fetch with that Togepi. <laughs> and it just would waddle after the ball and then waddle right back to me. And it was so cute and so happy. And I think what... Like, maybe what it's missing in mechanical sophistication, it has it is improved on in liveliness of oh, the yeah. Pokemon themselves, yep. Yep. which does, I think, for me, it, it, it has reached this, like, point where if it gets any cuter, it's going to suck to play. Because <laughs> I already feel really bad about, about hurting the other Pokemon. Yes. Okay, fair. That is one thing, right? That was the thing. Like, be- with the better graphics and the cuteness and whatnot, I'm like, but I don't want to fight you. I just want to I just want to play with you. <laughs> I have this demon rock and roller that keeps one shot. Like, I'll try to catch Pokemon, and really the solution is for me is I should just send this demon to the box. But it, I keep trying to catch Pokemon, and I'm like, oh, I'll whittle it down. Down. This attack, it says this attack is not very effective. I'll try it. And it keeps one-shotting the wild Pokemon. <laughs> you got to Pokemon false swipe. That's the whole trick to it. Ah, yes. He, I don't have that TM, and he hasn't had oh. a chance to learn it. Um, Every time I'm, you know those memes of the crying cats? I am that meme of the crying, screaming cat every time it happens. And I will not <laughs> learn. I will not learn. So, Christina, you're playing on your regular Switch and the Switch Lite. How do you like the Switch Lite? Uh, I love the Switch Lite. This, I'm very, very glad that I made the decision to buy um, the most superfluous thing that I could ever own, which is <laughs> a, a Switch Lite. People are like, well, isn't the point of the Switch that it switches? Yes. Yes, it is. However, the size difference, and Simone, I know you've seen the two side-by-side. Brie, I don't know if you have, but it is actually really significant. Wow. Like it's like side by side. I was actually shocked when I kind of put them together. I was like, "Oh wow, this is a lot smaller," and console. that and that makes um, a really big difference. I think like if you're going to be somebody who's using it on the go a lot. So for me, if I'm going to be taking it with me when I travel, I got the official Nintendo like case, which is super thin and you know holds a couple of games, but like it's it's just like a, a really thin case that is going to be so much easier to just throw in my bag than the the larger uh case that i had for the regular switch was so that's the big thing uh i do like having a proper um you know uh d-pad back like that's actually really good too uh the only thing that's been weird and you know because the grip is different is that i get I've, i have like a, a blister i already have a switch <laughs> blister on <sighs> my on my left thumb and usually where i get like the switch like blisters are like on my inner thing in between like my pointer finger and my thumb in this case it's actually i got like I like a big blister on my thumb it's uh it's doing oh, better wow. though um I, well you know a, a callus will form on it yet that 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 that'll be the the time we know that i've, I've truly how is um, it become obsessed that you i've never gotten a blister in my life despite my own uh predilections for switch playing how how does this happen to you i don't know because i've never had one like this this is like i mean i had like a solid blister like it's 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 you know uh getting smaller or whatever but um i didn't want to pop it because it was that big i was like oh yeah this would not be good if this popped um usually (laughs) i have like you know kind of something like i said like in between my my pointer and and my thumb i can get like soreness there but yeah i don't know i guess it was something with the way the grip is because the grip is different like the the joy con size you know they're about the same you know feels 
you know, similar, um, but it's smaller and it's just a different grip. So I guess, I guess that's just what happened. Either that or I was playing too much of the Aladdin Lion King combo. <laughs> oh, that oh game my is God. so good. I love it's it. so good. I love yeah. it. So that's great. I, the one thing holding me back from buying this is you know, Nintendo makes it such a nightmare to transfer yep. saves. So yep. is there any solution for that? Or do you, because I'm all digital. I don't have like physical games. I just don't roll that way. Sure. Um, so if you buy a, a digital copy of a game for your light, there's not any way to transfer the game or transfer saves between it. Well, is there my understanding no, yes. is that you do, you can, but it is a process of uploading the save and then Correct. downloading it every single time you transfer between the consoles. Correct. That so what a lot of people, yeah. it's kind of obnoxious. Uh, what a lot of people do is they'll make their regular switch, their home console. That's what I've done. Yes. Cause the, um, the home console, or the, yeah, the primary one of the consoles, console, the primary always has to be connected to the internet. So people will make no, that the, the primary. No no, 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 the secondary has to always be connected to the internet. Oh, the primary sorry. doesn't. Ugh, backwards. So, so, so what you, so what you, what I've done, for instance, is my light is my primary console because it doesn't have to be connected to the internet. My home console, my OG, is the secondary because it's always going to be on the internet anyway. Um, so the, the reality is, yeah, like, like, like Simone said, you have to upload the save data and then download it each time. That's not that big of a deal. You just have to remember to do it. Um, and so that could be like the, the fact that, you know, Xbox and PlayStation have had this figured out and that Nintendo doesn't is stupid. And I'm not giving Nintendo any passes for this. I'm also not giving them any passes for the fact that if you want to use two of the devices at the same time with, and they're, they are attached to the same Nintendo account, you can't, um, even if you're playing different games, which is stupid. Again, like Xbox and PlayStation let you do that. Like I can, I totally understand the limitations saying you have a digital game. You can only play it on one thing at one time. I get that. But if I have, and I've purchased two different games and, um, you know, I want to play on my switch Lite, and Simone wants to play on my OG switch, you know, a different game that should not be a limitation, but it is. So it's one of those things where I think if you if you're buying this from a family scenario where you're thinking, you know, well, I want to share, you know, libraries everybody everybody plays at the same time, this they still don't really have a solution for that. For the weird people like me who are buying a secondary switch and I'm the only person who uses my switch, it's a pain, but it's not as bad as I thought. So okay. it, it's yeah. doable. It That's doesn't sound that different than, uh, you know, so Vita. Vita and your PS4 have a lot of games that can switch between them. Yeah. A huge Danganronpa fan. That sounds literally identical uh, to that scenario. It also sounds identical to the Final Fantasy HD collection where you can play part of it on your Vita and then play part of it on your, your PS4. So yeah. um, I, I don't yeah, want to like give them a pass. I'm just saying that sounds identical no, to the way those, though, Sony does it. Was it one cloud save that was being shared between the consoles or was it right. you downloading? Yeah, because this is... No, well, cause, no, cause this yeah, time you, you would have to go and you'd log into Final Fantasy and you would you would have a fourth slave slot and you would have to pull in that slave save from the cloud or you would have to update, uh, upload it to the gotcha. cloud. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. So in that case, it's the same. The one thing I would point out is that there are still games that don't have cloud save data. So like Splatoon 2, there are a couple of others that don't. That's a problem, right? That's like absolutely ridiculous. It, it is. And, I, and I, to me, I feel like that should be... I mean, especially something like Splatoon, like Nintendo really needs to be like, okay, mandate, 
you have to have you have to support cloud especially Stadia. for their first party games. This is what I'm saying. I mean, I think that they should make it a requirement for all developers, but for their first party games, it's stupid that it's not. Like to me, yeah. that's unacceptable. But other than that, I, it's actually been less of a pain than I thought. That was why I decided to do it. I, I I really feel for the families who are going to get like each kid their own switch because the issue is if you want to try to save stuff together, you're still going to have to be, you're going to be stuck buying um, uh, cartridges really is, yeah. is what that comes down yeah. to. Like in that scenario, yeah. that's really what you're going to be doing. And in my case, I, I mostly digital, but if it's on sale, I will buy like, I'm I'm all about the money there, right? Like <laughs> also there are mods and things you can do to Finally, you know. Nintendo's made the perfect console for adults. Hey folks, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by ExpressVPN. We all know how a VPN protects your privacy and your security online. But did you know it can take your TV watching to the next level by unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? That means you can use ExpressVPN to binge on Doctor Who or Star Trek on the UK Netflix. Just fire up the ExpressVPN app and change your location to the UK. Poof, it's a miracle. Then refresh Netflix, and that's it. ExpressVPN hides your IP address so you can control where you want sites to think you're located. And you can choose from almost 100 countries. So just think about all the Netflix libraries you can go through. Dang. If you also love anime, you can use ExpressVPN to access Japanese Netflix. And it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, whatever you want. But there uh, are Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but ExpressVPN is ridiculously fast, which you want when you're watching shows. There's no buffering, no lag, and you can stream in HD. ExpressVPN is also compatible with all of your devices, so phones, your media consoles, your smart TVs, and more. That's wild. So you can watch what you want wherever you want. Um, I did experience this when I was in Italy and I accessed um, both American HBO Go Mm -hmm. as well as Italian Netflix, where they had a more recent season of The Good Place, which we do now have on U.S. Netflix. But at the time, we did not have it, folks. We did Completely. Completely. Yes. No, it's great. So I actually, so Disney Plus launched while I was in Paris, but Disney Plus is not available in Paris. So I I used ExpressVPN to uh, pretend that I was in the United States so that I could could access Disney Plus. There's nothing wrong with that, folks. Hey, now, um, if you visit my special link right now, it's expressvpn.com slash rocket. You'll get three extra months free with a one-year package. So go support this show, watch whatever you want, and protect yourself at expressvpn.com slash rocket. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of Rocket and all of Relay FM. Let's talk about... Man, okay, so when I was planning this show, I didn't expect the opening to take that long. I probably should have. <laughs> but I put Cybertruck up front before Google Stadia. Should I switch it? No, uh, we need to I talk about I want to talk about Cybertruck. Yeah, okay. Cybertruck. Come on, man. Let's get into Cybertruck. So Tesla <laughs> had a big old event oh. where they revealed for oh the first God. time uh, a 
a Tesla pickup truck. Uh, it is called the Cybertruck. It has a really very radical spray paint logo logo to go with it. Um, and it is it has been described as a PS2 vehicle model, mm-hmm. as a 12-year-old's <laughs> idea of an awesome vehicle. Um, what it is is essentially a truck uh, with a back that lifts up so you can put stuff in the back, puts down. Um, it's very, very, very angular. It comes to a sharp point on the roof. It, at the moment, has been criticized for having no side view mirrors, which I also mm. learned in the research of this. The federal government is considering making non-mandatory, which seems horrible. Uh, look into that. Uh, as well as no <laughs> crumple zone. But it's also been called, like, very cool and outside of <laughs> the box of uh, what ordinary car design has become like I'm I'm sure everyone who has thought about car design has noticed that all cars kind of look the same nowadays. Yep. Um and one positive thing we could say about this is that it does not look like other vehicles. But it kind of remains to be seen um whether it will be safe. So so I know you all are going to talk about the design a lot. Uh, yes, I please want to talk, talk about, about the utility of this because it's something I've not really seen people uh talk about a whole lot. Uh I don't know if either of you know this, but uh, one of the the vehicle types right now that has the highest resale value is uh, pickup trucks from the yes. 80s and 90s. They are skyrocketing in value. If you have a pickup truck from the 80s or 90s, it's in decent condition. Like you, It's probably worth as much as you paid for it back then. And the reason these are so popular is it's very straightforward. Very little maintenance. Uh, they're reliable. You can fix them yourself. It's not overly uh, computerized. Uh, it's just a, an era that we don't uh, we don't make cars like that anymore. Uh, trucks, have, especially city trucks, have gotten more and more expensive. So I just kind of want to frame that as like this is the truck market. You've got the very very expensive luxury city truck and then you've got people that actually use them buying uh heavy duty trucks versus light duty trucks so you're kind of looking at the cyber truck and my first question is okay this is a truck i grew up in mississippi i knew a lot of people that bailed hay and loaded stuff from lowe's on it my own mom built apartment buildings so she was out there putting um <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, lumber two by fours on there to take and actually build stuff with. So that's kind of my frame of reference for this. So the Cybertruck goes from about 40,000 to about 80,000 on the high end. It can pull according to their, their specs, which have not been independently tested yet, uh, between uh, roughly about 1400 pounds. That is competing with the the lower end of the truck market, the light duty truck market. Mm-hmm. And if you go through and you're looking at you know half ton light duty trucks, you know they'll they'll do around that fourteen thousand pounds, but they cost half as much. So this is the first instance of Tesla putting out uh, a product that that gives you a lot less than what the rivals are giving you. If you go to get a, you know, a Model S or a Model 3, the interior of it is very comparable to a BMW or, or a nice high-end car, and it's certainly much quicker. So if you want to compare the Tesla Cybertruck, let's be very generous and say, okay, this is competing with a heavy-duty truck. You know, something contractors are going to use 
it's more competitive from a price point of view. But as far as what it can actually uh, tow, you've got the Ford F-250 that can haul around uh, 20,000 pounds. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the Ram 250 HD, 17,000 pounds. So it, it's priced like a heavy-duty truck, and it has the capability of a, a light-duty truck. So just off the bat, when you're thinking about the car market and how the really active part of the market is people that want trucks they can actually fix themselves, when Tesla's biggest problem is this really closed out ecosystem where people can't buy parts or fix anything themselves. I just, I think they've essentially created a a really expensive luxury truck, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's interesting. And it, it raises a lot of questions about who it's for. I think in the Engadget review, uh, the the writer brings up that the, it does uh, zero to sixty in under three seconds. Uncommon for a truck. Real cool, actually. <laughs> 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 Which it's just so wild. Um, but that, like for all intents and purposes, it feels about as fun to drive as a Tesla. But as a truck, it's kind of a question mark. Right. Like tech writers are not generally people that have ever used a truck for what a truck is used for. So I just, I think there's just a, I think I feel with respect to my friends that have written about this and including Jalopnik, I just think there's a, a distance between the journalism about this and the the people that actually are going to use it. I have a question, actually. I yeah. mean, okay, I'll, I'll push back a tiny bit on, on please, the Jalopnik. I'll, yeah. I'll push back a tiny bit on the Jalopnik people. I haven't read all their coverage, but I know those guys and and girls, and there are some people there who definitely have used the hell out of a truck for what it is. And oh, they're probably, you know, I mean, they're like the real core enthusiasts. I don't know. I feel like it, it's too soon to tell like what this will be, but... It's, uh, I mean, the design is just the thing that we have to focus on because it's just so ridiculous. Right. Okay. But I have a question. Do we, yeah. do we know, does electricity, do electric motors generate enough power to be efficient as trucks, to be as long use as a truck would? Uh, that, that answer is we don't know. Okay, And cool. it's just like ours, Technica. We're not going to. That's can an okay answer. I just specs. wanted to know. Yeah, they can claim these specs, but until you get out there and independently mm-hmm. uh, investigate it, it's just not it's not proven. But you're correct. If you're carrying around 14,000 pounds, that's going to impact range, right? Of course. Uh, how long is it going to take to charge? Uh, you know, they have a, a video out there of a, of a cyber truck competing with the traditional truck. Yeah. And it's not even a fair video. No, because it's not. Every, yeah, please go ahead, Chris. No, I was going to say, be, I was gonna say, isn't the video like, it, like it's already like, going like it's already going downhill or something like it's not yep. yeah so so the momentum is already in its favor to right. pull it well, or whatever and electric vehicles innately have more low-end torque like that's what electric engines are for to have instant it doesn't have to go through a differential or a transmission or go to the wheel it's just literally right there so it's it's just a loaded test it doesn't mean anything do you know what would be what would be a fair test between the f-150 and the tesla truck yeah, uh, go to Home Depot, get a bunch of lumber. By the way, there's not even a little, uh, like, raised end in the bed to, like, lock stuff in there. Yeah, um, I was going to say, yeah, like... it's like, flat. Like, It'll fly yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, no, well, this, this, is the, this is the part that's 
I guess, most baffling to me. Well, okay, there are lots of parts about this that are baffling to me. But the part that's the most baffling is the truck part. Like, look, we can put the whole Homer Simpson design aside, right? And, it, and this literally does, I think, like, PS2, like, render, I think, is, like, the perfect thing. This literally looks like something we would play, like, in Grand Theft Auto, like, the the, the pixelated polygon thing. It's, it's just perfect. But putting that aside, you know, it is sort of in- ingenious the way that um, – you know, the, uh, I guess the bed is revealed and it's, it's uncovered. But the problem with that is it doesn't seem like you get a whole lot of space. Like you have enough to have like a, a forerunner, but okay, there are a lot of people who will, you know, when you, like when you have a friend who has a truck and you're moving, you're piling that truck so high just as long as they can kind of pseudo see out, right? Like that's kind of the goal is like you, you pack everything you can into it and then some, and then it's, it's, it, it's stuff is hanging off the side. Whereas this, like you said, you know, it, it doesn't have anything to kind of support it, you know, um, from, from coming out the back end. So you'd have to have some, you know, secure something some other way. And I'm also, I'm, I'm like, okay, how much can you actually, how many boxes could I actually carry? Like this would be a really weird truck to take, you know, when, um, like, making friends to to move you to uh, your apartment, your first apartment when you're in college. Like, yeah. this is just, yeah, this doesn't seem right for that. All right, let's talk about some of the design aspects. So this is the first reveal we've seen of it. A lot of things are going to have to change before this thing ever comes to market. Now, Elon, Elon I almost called them Elon Tusk. Oh, my God. Elon <laughs> Musk says there been You're watching 200- Rick and Morty. Yeah, I need to sleep. So there have been 200,000 orders of it. Um, I will leave a a blank spot where we talk about Tesla's track record of fulfilling orders, which is, as we all know, mm, a blank spot. Um, So things about this truck that have to change. Currently, rear view mirrors, very necessary. The headlights are a strip of lights, which uh, is not, they need to be much larger to be road safe. Um, I am seeing a tiny, tiny, what looks like a blinker on the bottom, like right above the front bumper, um, which also will need to become much larger if this is to be road safe. Um, and some people have brought up the question of whether there is room for the car to crumple, uh, as modern cars do in a crash. Now, I, as you all know, drove a Toyota, <laughs> Toyota mm. Tercel from, from the 80s, from 1989, for many years, a car that did not crumple because it was made of steel. <laughs> um, and I'm alive. <laughs> but uh, but from my understanding, it is customary um, for cars now to be manufactured in such a way that if they are hit, they they will not, in fact, have the opposing car bounce off them like a rubber ball, but will in fact uh, crumple. Yeah, um, and yeah, you're dead on. It's not uncommon for these things to not exist in prototypes. Uh, I have a '96 Boxster. If you look at the 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 prototype that came out from that show, exact same thing. Like no side view mirrors, no license plate. Uh, it's it's that doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. There are some things with this design. Um, 
if if you ever look at uh, car design, one of the things that really changed from the 50s to today is uh, there are actually government regulations that standardize things. Like uh, mm-hmm. when you open and close the trunk, you can't have uh, like your taillights on a part of the car that moves. Uh, so that's all standardized oh. now. So you're you're dead on. There are all kinds of things. I'm going, I'm not sure that's up to regulations, but like adhering to that has never been Elon's thing. So I'm sure it's going to change somewhat. Right. Um, I have a controversial opinion here. I don't like any truck design. I think they are (laughs) hyper macho and stupid looking modern ones. Is that that controversial? Because I'm I'm kind of in total agreement. I think all trucks are ugly. Yeah. Um, And I see this one and just being straight with all of you. It doesn't look any more less stupid than the rest of them. (laughs) (laughs) it's, It's just got more angles. It's obnoxiously macho it doesn't uh you know uh, a fairy porsche said something like beauty is in design the beauty of something is in the design if it works when i'm looking at the design of this like you said christina i don't see a big bed where you can stack a lot of things in i i don't see i i don't see utility here so yeah it doesn't yeah. offend me but i don't like it yeah right? Pat, patrick george uh, of jalopnik uh who actually announced that he is leaving jalopnik oh, which no. is a massive massive loss for the site oh, he's no. an amazing guy amazing editor-in-chief oh, I love him. he's the best but but he wrote like a really good kind of like he was like i don't hate it but i don't think it'll be a hit and his point was he was like i personally don't like the design but i think it's interesting and i'm glad that someone's doing something new and i agree with that but he also yep. said that it seems like it's um you know form over function and i agree with that and i think i guess to your point if all trucks are ugly i'm kind of not down with the ugly truck that also doesn't have any functionality right um but i also am so grateful for the memes <laughs> genuinely some, uh you know uh elon is always giving us great content so i'm all about that can we talk about the demo fail yes uh, uh, uh can, can we please talk about the demo fail of the bulletproof windows because that was so, the greatest yeah. thing in the entire world that i've ever seen they were <laughs> testing they had done many many tests showing oh yeah we can drop steel balls down tubes onto the tesla window glass it will not break it will not break and then they demonstrated it on the model car itself um the demonstrator threw a steel ball uh at the windows of the car and the windows did crack twice they tried it twice the first time it cracked and they were like ha 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 ha. let's try that again and they did it a second time and it cracked again so (laughs) yikes I, I mean, I, great I, moment. It, it was a, good TV. a picture perfect moment. It was a meme moment. Like, come it on, was. guys. Like, Why? genuinely, it was so. I mean, and then yeah. Elon's like, "Oh, we'll we'll fix it in post." So I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, internet's forever, buddy." So good. I'm sorry, but like that that to me made like paying attention to Twitter during that interminable like press conference worth it. To be totally honest, <laughs> I guess part of me, like my tinfoil hat, part of my brain is like, he got us all talking about it. He did. No, that, he did, he did not want that to happen. It, I I know he didn't, but it it was very successful in making us all talk about this well, damn truck. Here's for the days. thing: they they have a story in CNN. <laughs> Apparently, Musk got on Twitter as he is wont to do, mm-hmm. and said the reason this happened is because they had done a test where they hit the doors with a sledgehammer, and hitting the doors with a sledgehammer damaged the glass. And so when they did the steel ball, the glass cracked. And he tweeted. Um, should have done steel ball on window, then sledgehammer the door next time, which 
is how a tech demo works. I will give him that. It's not how a car crash works. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. it would have looked yeah. better if they had done it in an order where the glass didn't crack. But come on, buddy, <laughs> that's not an excuse. Uh, oh, thank you. The gift that keeps on giving. I, I guess I don't even see this as a, I mean, I think uh, having a body panel that's not going to dent, that's that's legit. I would want that on a truck. Like, look at any truck bed. It's scratched up. The paint gets torn apart. This is why people put liners in their bed. Um, that seems useful to me. But 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 rock-proof glass, that just seems like the most overly testosterone-ed, dumb <laughs> feature I've ever heard in my life. I'm you sorry. Know what, you, you, know what this, you know what this truck is? Yeah. Remember the Motorola Droid, like the first big <gasps> yes, Android phone? Yes. That, like, this is, this is the Motorola Droid of cars. Like, nice. this is of, of trucks. Like, this is Droid does. Like, and I can even see the ad. Like, it's the exact same thing. Like, this is just, yeah, this is, this is the Droid of cars mm-hmm. or trucks, whatever we want to call it. I have one final note, and that is that I'm, I'm dropping in the show notes a link from Electrek.co about uh, an, someone who did an aerodynamics test on it and actually found that despite the pointiness of it, it seems to function as an aerodynamic vehicle, which is a plus. Um, but we will, of course, stay tuned for reviews of the final model. Well, A, the reveal of the final model of the Cybertruck. B, how that model functions in the real world in five <laughs> years when they finally um, start shipping the first orders. <laughs> hey, listen, folks. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom. The holiday shopping season, Boxing Day, and Black Friday are just around the corner. I'm going to be looking for some deals. I said deals. You couldn't hear it because I was kind of suppressing a burp. But um, I did. I said deals. Hey, when I'm shopping online, there's nothing worse than shopping cart fail or for the website to suddenly be unavailable. Pingdom will let you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. Use transaction monitoring to get alerted when cart checkout forms and login pages fail you. Oh, God, I'm suppressing so many burps before those failures affect your customers and your business. Why is it happening now? I wish Pingdom could notify me not to drink that beer. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you fall in love with the service, you sign up, use the offer code ROCKET at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Thank you so much, Pingdom, for your support of this show and RelayFM. Yeah. Hey. Wow. And <laughs> now we're on to our second topic of the show. All right. We'll go fast on this. Kill me. We'd freaking better, Brianna Wu. Google Stadia is in beta now. Well, what is essentially beta? It's like officially, fully, all the services, quote unquote, are launching in February. But it is available now for a as a $10 subscription fee, which is going to be the premium. When it launches, um, it'll be a service that is free where you can buy and stream games right now it is what is essentially the premium model which is you pay 10 bucks and you have games the games right now of course are limited what is google stadia it is google's version of ps now it is a streaming service that essentially as it is 
as as they designed it, you can play video games on any device that runs Chrome. So your Chromecast, your Pixel phone, um, in Chrome on any browser. Uh, so it, that could be my MacBook here. It could be a Chromebook. Um, and a set, those games are supposed to run in 4K and basically just work anywhere that you have a solid internet connection. Um, during this beta period, things have been less than smooth. However, the unanimous, the opinion seems to be that for all the, the awkwardness that there has been, like less than fidelity graphics and lag issues, it is still better than other PC game streaming services that have existed to date. What? Opinions. Really? You disagree? I, I, you disagree with what? Wired I, and The Verge? I, I will let you finish. I will. No, let you I'm finish. done. I'm throwing it to you. I I don't know. I'm Mickey I mean, Mouse. Sometimes sometimes I want to play old old PS3 games on my PS4 and PS Now. I mean, it functions. Like you play, the colors are washed out and the graphics are blurry, but there's not huge amounts of lag. I've seen nine thousand like Twitter gifs of someone like hitting spacebar to jump in Tomb Raider, and like it happens a second later. Uh, if that, you are that thinking lag does not of exist. the one yeah. from Glenn, or from Gene Park, uh, yeah, on WSJ, Washington. yeah, okay, no, because uh, that was actually a problem because he was on office um, networked internet. So Google did reach out to him and say, "Hey, that's it will not work on." internet that is networked as you would find in a modern office building um and he i believe retracted that gif really okay yeah. huh. which makes sense because our networked internet is crap <laughs> but other i've seen other people doing that same thing it's not just him i've seen other people like show lots of lag in the game so mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's a hard problem. Like, I mean, I think uh, for me, the bigger thing is the fact that like it's not actually serving like what they claim is is uh, 4K isn't actually 4K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm not right. saying that it's there's not lag. There is lag, but that particular GIF was sure. not a factual example of what the lag is. No, which makes sense. And I and I'm sure that like, look, if you're in a theoretical position where you have a really really fast internet, which I actually do, right? Like I've got I'm just going to run speed test right now while we're on this <laughs> while we're on this call which you know is like a, Ooh, a yeah, let's thing see. you shouldn't do and uh-huh, yeah, so mine right now uh while I'm doing this call I'm at now I'm at 545 megabits per second down. That's what I'm at. Um and let's see what the up is and I'm at like 350 megabits per second up. Is that wired or wireless? Uh, wired, but okay. it's to a mesh router. So, yeah. so it's, it's wired, but it's also through a mesh connection. So it's, it's not actually going directly to the router, if that makes sense. That's still so, good. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's very good. Right. Yeah, so I, 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 I've, I've gigabit fiber. So um, yeah, 500 megabits, uh, 548 megabits per second down, 358 megabits per second up. So in theory and, and like very, and one a millisecond ping. So I should be somebody who this would work well for. Right. But mm-hmm. This is a really hard problem to solve, and and that's why uh, Microsoft Disclosure, my employer, uh, is working on this sort of thing with xCloud. I'm sure it's why Google's been investing a lot in this, and this is the sort of thing I think that will wind up making or breaking the service, but I think the bigger concern isn't so much like 
what's the lag, but the reality of most people who, when they're accessing things, like their internet's not that good. So already we know if you do any sort of online gaming, you know, somebody who has a better connection than you can can get the kill faster than you. What we haven't had is, okay, when I hit, um, you know, my controls, um, it, there, there's a palpable like difference between when it responds. That's the sort of thing I think that's going to be less acceptable. We've certainly had cloud gaming before. But this is the first time that you know Google's really trying to you know a company as mainstream as Google is trying to be like, yeah, anybody can do this. I I get it. It just it feels like a it feels like a problem in search of a solution, right? Like, I, who is this for? Like hardcore gamers, people that play Destiny. Have you ever met someone that plays Destiny seriously? They're really hardcore people. Yeah. Like they sit there it's all day long. Them. The vault of glass is like the most complex thing I've ever done in any video game. So it's not for that crowd. Well, I think it is and it's not. I think it's for two groups, right? I think yeah. in I think in theory it is for normal people who want the ability to play games with really good graphics, but they don't want to buy a console, they don't want to build a PC, but they want access to those games and those experiences. So I think that's number one. I think number two, conceivably, kind of like what GeForce has with their service, this could be something that I don't think Stadia is this, but I think that that cloud gaming in general is, where you have, you know, competitive gamers, people who are really into gaming, but they don't have, you know, $600 to get the latest graphics card and they don't have the money to constantly upgrade their rigs. Instead, mm-hmm. they might be able to pay, you know, a few dollars a month or play at, pay at a different intervals to say, okay, I have this really powerful, you know, like PC, you know, yeah, experience the, in the, the cloud. The use case for me makes sense because it is exactly as you said, Christina, it's I want to play PC games. I don't have the time or knowledge to mess with an expensive rig. Um, I don't have the money to buy a rig in the first place. Maybe I just want a subscription to try some of these games, or maybe I want to pay for them outright um, and stream them because I just don't have the technology or even even I don't have the space to have a PC, um, right, which is a right. problem for me as well. Um, granted, this is not for me because I have PlayStation and a Switch and I'm very happy with that. But um, yes, and it's it's much, much cheaper. I, well, <laughs> well, I'll not say it's cheaper, but the sell for $10 subscription, play all the games you want, I think is an easier sell for some people than I'm spending $60 plus who knows what on the actual machine to play this game. Um, I think in the Wired review, yes, it is in the Wired review, the writer brings up like, yeah, when I was a kid and I couldn't convince my parents that that I needed a PC to play games on, I would have loved this. Um, And that to me makes sense. I think for me, this is a service that is certainly rough now. I think it is better than what's come before for PC streaming services. Um, and I think it will improve because it's freaking Google and they're, they they want to make it happen. And maybe they'll kill it off very suddenly in 10 years. And then we'll talk about what digital ownership of games means, which is not a lot. But um, <laughs> I think this is something where if you're going to pick a company to improve this kind of infrastructure and technology, Google and Microsoft would be my choices. Um, I don't feel great about the environmental costs of that, but <laughs> yeah. I, I guess, I mean, for me, it's like, I, it's a fact that kids today, what are their big games that they play? It's not 
games like Destiny. It's more Minecraft. And the fact is, most people can get that kind of experience on their iPhone, their iPad. Like, uh, there are games accessible for a wide audience that fit in the power of your pocket. That computational power, it's not trivial, but it's, it's common these days. So the kinds of games that are on Stadia, if they were launching something that was more akin to Apple Arcade and an even lower price point, I'd go like, okay, I get it. That makes sense. This is a, a mass gaming thing for the masses. If they're trying to deliver games like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, that is a hardcore game for a serious gaming audience. And for that particular audience, I just cannot imagine anyone out there not saying, well, you know, uh, like a PlayStation 4, you can get that for what, $250? I mean, when I was a kid, I wanted to play Tomb Raider, and I tried to play Tomb Raider at my friend's house. Totally. Yeah. I mean, look, like, look, I, I do yeah, think I don't, that, I don't think that kids necessarily, I mean, kids do have access to a lot of different kinds of games. But if I am the kind of kid who wants to play Tomb Raider or Destiny, which like I did want to play MMOs when I was a kid, um, and I fortunately did have access to them. But if I had been in that position, yeah, of course, I would like this. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's the thing, right? Like, it, it's a little bit different now that literally everything we have, you know, we can access, like, you have digital copies and stuff, and, and it, it makes games much more accessible. But I think about, even when I was a kid, which obviously was longer ago than Simone, although not that much longer, uh, she says, um, uh, you know, like, you'd go over to friends' houses, and that's how you'd experience games. I mean, that's how I experienced a lot of PC games, especially. And and, and so, yeah, I mean, I think that um, this is certainly one of those things where, because you're like, okay, so-and-so has, you know, a PlayStation, but I have a Nintendo 64, or somebody else has, you know, this. I mean, I think that there is a when this is stabilized, and I don't look, Google doesn't have a good track record of keeping their stuff running, right? Yeah. Which is, I think there's been a lot of it, this has been the interesting thing is the the biggest criticism I've seen from gamers hasn't even been about like the this isn't for me, this is too expensive, the game's quality isn't good enough. It's really the whole idea of I don't want to quote unquote rent my games, have them only accessible in Google's service when Google loves to shut stuff down. And and not stay committed to it, and I think that's a completely that's fair. Exact, yeah, that's where I have definitely a problem with it. Is that they're unlike with Steam, there are no hard copies of these games saved on your machines, and for me, that does raise a lot of questions, especially if it is a game that you have paid for to access that game, and then Stadia shuts down. That's right. a really terrible situation to be in. I'm not sold on it. Yeah, I'm not sold on it either, but I think that cloud gaming as a concept has a lot of potential. I mean, I, I really do, and I and I think that, that really? I really do. Yeah, We've I been absolutely trying do. This for a long time, I know we have, I know we have, but I think that it has a lot of potential. I really think. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the next gen consoles do because. You know, I mean, I do think that in some ways it would be interesting, right, to have, okay, you have all the power on your console, but if there was additional stuff that could be done, you know, like server side, like that, that's, that's an interesting idea, right, in terms of, of, of maybe rendering some stuff or, or you know, uh, doing some sort of advanced physics. But I think the bigger thing is just that, you know, I do think that there's a lot of potential for, okay, I want to take my PC game but I want, and I have a controller, but I want to play it on my phone. I think that there are more people who are down with that than you might think. How far this goes, I don't know. But I think, I mean, I, I think that the idea has potential. But I'm with you. I'm not sold on this. 
but I'm also really looking forward to seeing how it plays out and seeing what people's responses are. I think the interesting thing will be is how, you know, the different studios, like kind of what they're, how they feel about this, because it's interesting again to kind of think about, okay, I can only play this game on this service, you know, but what games are they going to be able to get? Are there going to be exclusives? How, how, far is Google going to go oh, God, on that not. end, right? I mean, I hope not either, but that 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 be, that becomes an interesting thing, right? Like, I think to say, okay, could we, are, yeah. could there be Oof. games or experiences or things that you can only get if you're a Stadia person? That then is, you know, that could be the one thing that could force harder core gamers to actually take a look if they're like, okay, the only way I can play this game is if I subscribe to this service. There are so many things to think about, like, Crossplay, which at the moment is in a deplorable state because the lag uh-huh. for Stadia users is uh, not great. Um, but yeah, I, I I definitely have questions. The tech is in a very um, it's being it needs to be worked on place. But here it is, for better or for worse, it's happening. We need to wrap up. I'm going to talk about Flatiron School, which this episode is brought to you by. Fall is in the air, and kids aren't the only ones going back to school. Sometimes rocket listeners are, too. At Flatiron School, students are parents, musicians, travelers, and working professionals from all walks of life. Learn software engineering, UX, UI design, or data science at Flatiron School in just 15 weeks and launch a new career with one-on-one support from their dedicated career coaches. Flatiron School stands behind their students with a money-back guarantee. Complete details are at flatironschool.com slash terms. Flatiron School's committed instructors have both industry and teaching experience and are backed by the master teachers and learning experience designers. Ho, ho, ho! To ensure that you get the best possible support, whether you choose to learn on campus or online. This fall, pursue your passion, or this winter even, ha ha ha, pursue your passion and discover (laughs) your potential and go back to school with us. Get a head start with the free bootcamp prep course at flatironschool.com slash rocket. I'll see you in class. Our thanks to Flatiron School for their support of this show. I'm sorry we're skipping dessert. We did it at the top. Christina, what are you doing this week? <laughs> I'm watching that uh, clip of uh, John uh, uh, Shatner, whatever his last name is, the, the Papa John's guy, uh, where he just looks full of uh, Botox and he says that he's had 40 pizzas in the last 30 days and he uh, can't uh, and the quality's not as good. I'm watching that clip over and over and over again is, is what I'm doing. Um, I'm also, uh, I'm not really doing anything for Thanksgiving. We're going to go to a restaurant uh, kind of in Seattle because I'm going to be spending most of December in um, Atlanta with my parents. So uh, I'm just enjoying not being at work. Heck yeah. His name is Father Pizza, just <laughs> FYI. Brianna, Father what Pizza. are you doing this week? <laughs> well, you know, I'm planning my uh, day of reckoning. <laughs> For all of my enemies, I'm eating uh, 40 pizzas in 30 days. I'm sitting here sweating on camera, uh, just like my hero, Papa John. I'm also going to go visit my uh, father-in-law for Thanksgiving, which will be lovely. Wow. What a coincidence. I'm also sweating, except it's in my 90-degree apartment. Um, Today, my tech task... (laughs) It's a new recurring segment, Tech Tasks. I dealt with the technology of my ancient radiator. 
Um, and I, I, I have two radiators in my living room and I don't know why that decision was made because guess what? I'm on the first floor. We don't need two radiators in a room. That's like having two convection ovens just going Mm. full blast in one room of my house. It's horrible. So I, um, (laughs) took a, an adjustable wrench as well as a vice grip. And I use both of those things, not at the same time. I use them separately to try to turn off one of my radiators. Um, and once I go home, which I will be as soon as this episode wraps, I am going to find out if over the course of the day, if I succeeded at my task over the course of the day, the steam will have left the radiator, leaving it cold to the touch or perhaps warm because there will still be another radiator going full blast in that room, as you know. So hopes and prayers, thoughts and prayers for me. Uh, I have to pay respects if I go home and continue to live in the sweat box. You know what will help with that, Simone? What? 40 pizzas in 30 days. <laughs> You're right. That would make me feel I mean, better. Day reckoning. It, 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 it will this help you bring your reckoning, reckoning to... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> day of reckoning for my radiator and for me. Um, Christina, where can we find you online? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and the Instagrams. And uh, you can find the videos that I do at work. There will actually be one this week that I filmed last week at uh, YouTube.com slash Microsoft Developer. Is it the one of you wearing the OK Boomer shirt? No. Okay. So here's what happened. I was not able to record that day. And so, and I forgot to wear it the next day. So the OK Boomer shirt will be next week. But yes, I, I will be sure to point that out to everyone because I cannot wait for this comment section. Oh, me Bring either. It on. I'm, oh, I'm, wow. I'm, I'm so excited uh, about the potential. <laughs> well, about not potential. We know it's going to be hate filled. And I'm so here for it. Um, you are such I, an I agent really, of chaos. I really am. I love to troll my audience so much. And look, I love them for watching, but also, like, no, I'm going to troll you. Uh, the Yes, uh, there were there were a lot of people, when I took that selfie, they were like, you're not wearing that to work, are you? I was like, uh, I took the selfie in the bathroom at work. And people were like, <laughs> oh. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. <laughs> All right, Brianna, where can uh, we find you online? Uh, you can find me at Brianna Wu on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me at developer Brianna Wu on Facebook. If you want to support my congressional campaign, I swear I'm a serious person. I've not displayed this on the show today, but I am a, I'm a serious person and I uh, hope to serve this country. So you can do that by going to supportbrianna.com. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and YouTube.com slash Polygon, where I have a new video that will be up. Uh, it's yesterday for y'all. No. Oh, no, because this is Thursday. Thursday is Thanksgiving. Is this episode going up Wednesday or Friday? I don't know. But my new video is going up Wednesday. And it is, yes, finally, the one about brutalist architecture in control, which is still a dope game. Um, So go check that out. And hey, thanks for listening to Rocket. If you like it, please uh, give us a like. Give us a like a roo and a review on Apple Podcasts. Because that's a cool thing. Oh, talk about us during your Thanksgiving dinner. Anytime. If somebody annoys you. No. If somebody is really a like-minded soul and who you enjoy their company, start talking about our podcast immediately. That's my command. Hey, this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.